God wants to put, put me in this position, if he wants to take it away, take it away. So I definitely grew a lot through that and kind of growing my trust in him and too, kind of with the Esther, if, if I die, I die. I mean, it kind of it kind of removed a lot of like any anything I had in the world. Like if I wanted to go do this or whatever, like if I had any plans for my life, I don't like it kind of took those away. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome back. This is another episode of My Grace Life Story. I am joined once again by Tim Martin. He's taking care of all the audio and behind-the-scenes stuff for us today, and we have with us as our guest today, Jake Statham. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Jake, if you would introduce yourself to our audience. Of course, most of the folks that are listening are Grace Life people, but some are not. So just a little bit about yourself, where you're at, what stage of life you're in, things of that sort. Good deal. Yeah, my name is Jake Statham. I've gone to Grace Life my entire life. But right now, currently, I'm a student at UNA. In my last semester, I should graduate up here up in May, and then I just got accepted in medical school. So that'll right. be my next journey here. Yeah. And medical school's at UAB? Yes, sir. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. And you went to Deschler High School. Yep. Graduated in what year? 2019. 2019. All right. And soon to be graduate of the University of North Alabama. So, Jake, as you mentioned, you've been here at Grace Life for your entire life. Mm-hmm. So you and I are pretty similar in that way. I had a few years uh, that I was not here, but I was here since I was about eight years old. And so t- tell me a little bit about just you growing up at Grace Life and, and what that's been like, maybe what that's meant to you, and then we'll journey from there as you give us a little bit of info about what it's been like to grow up at Grace Life Church. Good deal. Well, yeah, Mom and Dad, uh, my parents, they both went to UNA and then graduated from there and then met here after they graduated. So they've been going here since then, so right. since the— I won't tell their age, but <laughs> probably 90s or longer than that. Right, um, yeah. And so I've, I've gone here my entire life since, because they, they were going here before I was born. And, I mean, we, we growing up, we lived in Collinwood, Tennessee, which is about 45 minutes away. But we were here every Sunday, every Wednesday. It was never like, oh, we're we going to church this Sunday. It, no, when, what time were we leaving? Right, yeah. So we were here whenever the doors were open. There was never a time we weren't here. So what was that like getting from Collinwood down here a few times a week? It was tough, especially like <laughs> getting into like middle school because we moved up here to Tuscumbia when I when I was going into eighth grade. So okay. like when I was in middle school and my older brother was in middle school, it was tough like leaving practice. We'd had to just leave basketball practice or whatever practice. Right. I mean, we all played all me and my I have two brothers and we all played all three sports growing up: baseball, football, basketball. We are we were always playing all sports, and so we would, we would just leave practice sometimes, just come to church, and the coaches always knew and understood because they knew who Dad was, because Dad was the head football coach at the, in the town of Collinwood. So people knew the situation, but it was just always like, okay, see y'all, we gotta go to church, and everybody's <laughs> like, okay, see ya. Uh, yeah, I, I know, you know, Jake. That was one thing growing up. Of course, I didn't grow up in Collinwood. We didn't have a forty-five minute drive to get back and forth to church, but I know. You know, growing up in my household with my parents, it, we were like you guys. It was never like, hey, are we going to go to church today? Or, you know, are we going to make it on Wednesday night? And yeah. I can remember as a young kid coming from, like, baseball Little League practice, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'd just come in my uniform, and I'd wear my uniform, and I'd sit through the service, and it was just like, hey, we're just not going to miss. Now, mm-hmm. I know for me personally, that that made an impact 
in my life. You know, it was, I guess it just taught me the priority of being with God's people. I, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but that, that has paid some dividends for me as I've grown up as well, just knowing that that, that standard was set at a young age and we didn't really veer from it. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that was the way it was in the Statham household as well. So, um, all right. So, so growing up at Grace Life, um, walk us through a little bit of, of when you came to know the Lord, about how old were you when the Lord began to maybe convict you of your sin and draw you to himself, a little bit of your, your salvation testimony. Definitely. So I, I remember probably as early as fifth grade, I think, being in Brother Jerry Pugh's small group class. Yeah, he was like department. a legend for yeah. a while in the fifth grade boys class, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember being in his class. And just thinking about it now, that is one of the classes I remember I started feeling convicted. I right. feel the spirit kind of tug on my heart every now and then. And I would feel, feel, feel a weight. Not necessarily, I didn't know if my sin yet or not. But I remember then and going into middle school, I guess at that point, I guess things, a lot of things are changing. But I remember that point, I remember kind of being convicted of my sin. And there for a while, it'd be every sermon, every time. Wow. And we were at church two days a week. Right. And we had morning service, sun, evening service on Sunday, and then Wednesday night service. So it was three times a week. Right. I remember feeling convicted of my sin or that I needed that I needed salvation. I think it took me a while to actually realize that I needed. So I, I, well, I knew I needed salvation. I think it took me a while to realize that of my sin. Yeah, Because sure. growing up in church all the time, my, my dad had been an elder here, and I was always a good kid, and I always wanted to do the right thing, and I always wanted to be respectful of my parents. I mean, I was obviously a sinner as, as a kid, but I was right. always a good kid morally sure. to the world, um, and I always wanted to be a good kid. But So it took me a while to realize that I had sin in my life, and yeah. my sin was the reason that Christ died on the cross so right. that I could be saved. But I remember um, there'd be different FCA events, Stuff like that. Um, in Collinwood, I would I would feel the the Holy Spirit kind of tug on my heart even more then. But it wasn't until it was a church camp with Brother Donnie preaching, and it was a this is Donnie Singleton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was talking about um, in his sermon about like more like the in depth details of Christ dying on the cross and all that he was go all that he was having to go through in his crucifixion, like the cat of nine tails and then, then carrying the cross up the hill of Golgotha and then the nails being driven in his hands and then you know, and then Christ hanging on the cross by the nails. And I, for some reason, I still remember this pretty vividly. I remember seeing, like, Brother Donnie vividly talking about, vividly painting this picture for us in his sermon of Christ hanging on the cross with the nails. And I still remember pretty vividly myself seeing my sin for the first time, mm. holding him up there. And that was the reason right. wow. that Christ was on the cross, was my sin with the, with the nails, holding him up there. And after that, I went and talked to Dad because he was the youth pastor at the time and still is. Or now, how, how old were you in 2013? I would have been 12 okay, at so that that's time. Seventh, eighth grade, somewhere mm-hmm. in there? Yeah, maybe, it, was, so. it was the summer before seventh grade. Okay, all right, gotcha. Yeah, it was summer before seventh grade, so yeah, I would have been 12. Okay. And I, I went and talked to Dad after, and then, Asked for forgiveness of my sins and put my faith and trust in Christ. And I remember afterwards, it felt like a weight, like an elephant had been sitting on the back of my neck and yeah. was finally gone. Because the, the past three years or so, I, every sermon, I'd feel that weight. And I just, I'd, and then after the sermon was over, it'd kind of lift away. But I remember after confessing my sin and put my faith in Christ, I remember the weight was gone. Yeah. Like it wasn't just kind of lifting away after the service was over. But I mean, it was gone. I felt like I could run a marathon or, yeah. or jump off a cliff and, and, and live. I thought I could do anything. Amen. 
Yeah, but, I've been reading a testimony uh, of someone who's recently been converted here in the context of Grace Life, and uh, this particular person has kind of that same testimony. Uh, speaking of kind of the the burden of sin being lifted, and this individual described it as, "I felt like I had wings and I could fly." You know, just just kind of that man. This I, I can't believe what God has done for me, and uh, I, you know, I, I I guess all of us, you know, experience the the lifting of that burden of sin when we truly trust Christ to save us and to give us new life. So yeah, it's awesome. So, so were you baptized pretty soon thereafter? Or, you know, I know sometimes, you know, we, we try to take our time and really walk through, you know, the gospel with folks and their conversion. So, so what happened after camp and after calling out to the Lord? Yeah. So that was actually kind of a struggle for me because after camp, I remember getting back and I knew that I was saved, right. but I kept looking at my fruit and my actions to see if I was really saved or not. And hmm. Being a growing up trying to be a good kid, my actions hadn't really changed that much. I was, I mean, right. I still sinned some, but I was still trying to be a good kid. I was still fighting that battle, but my actions really hadn't changed that much because I, I hadn't, I wasn't a murderer or somebody like that. Or a drug, Praise drug the Lord, you weren't before. murdering people at twelve, too, yeah. right? <laughs> but so I couldn't really tell in my actions like a hundred eighty degree change, like some people sure. speak about. So I was always, I was always, I was. It kind of caused me to have some kind of doubt and sure. doubt in my assurance. I really didn't have assurance for a while and. It, it really took a it took a long time, and it was a whole year, and almost a half, where I was okay. baptized. I went through counseling, and then, did you counsel with your dad primarily? Yeah, I did. okay, yeah. So what so what was that like? So you know, you guys are having mm-hmm. you know discussions and conversations about God's work in your life. So what 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 would you guys talk about when you're saying, "Hey, man, yes, I feel like the Lord has done this work, but I, I'm still struggling with some assurance." And what were those conversations? What did they what did they surround, and what were the details you guys would cover in some of those? I know I would ask him. I I do remember this. Like I'd ask him, Dad, I don't know if I'm really saved, and he would. He would say, "Well, did you put your did you repent of your sins?" And I'd say, "Yeah." And then he asked, "Did you put your faith and trust in Christ?" And I'd say, "Yes." And he's like, "Well, you're saved." <laughs> um, it's just easy for yeah, him, right? Yeah, and it really is that simple. But I just kept looking at my actions, and then mm-hmm. I waited a long time and I went counseling. We, me and Dad, counseled over the whole year, and then I guess after the next after the next church camp. I was like, I need to be baptized. Like, right. if this is, if I'm still having these thoughts, I was like, if I'm still thinking about this daily, I'm still battling with this, there must be something there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe I'll get baptized and maybe I'll have assurance after I get baptized. So uh, I ended up getting baptized the next November. So it was over a year after okay. I was converted that I got baptized. And after, after I was baptized, I was like, oh, maybe this will be, maybe, maybe I'll have assurance now. And still after I was baptized, still no assurance. Hmm. And I struggled with that for a long time. Like, and I would still have, the similar weight I had before about the burden of like I need to be saved. I would still have, I would have it was a different burden, but I have a burden of am I really saved? And I remember there was I don't remember the guy who spoke. I wish I do, but it was it was a um, like a fall out reach kind of revival thing we had here when I was in high school. So this would have been two or three years later right. after I was baptized. Um, so almost four years after I was converted. But it was a the guy had came and he was talking about putting your faith and trust in Christ and his work on the cross, not looking at your fruit, not looking at your yeah. actions, putting your faith and trust in Christ. And I didn't realize this, but that's, when I, that's what dad was getting at too is have you, have you repented of your sin? Yes. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Yes. And stop looking at your actions. And mm. so the guy was just kind of saying, I remember, don't look at what you, what you were doing and, and your actions and your fruit. Look at if you put your faith and trust in Christ. And if you have, then yes, then Christ is more than powerful enough to save you. Amen. So that was a big game changer for sure as far as, as far as my testimony and 
and definitely my assurance. And I still struggle with assurance to this day, but mm-hmm. not like I did then yeah. at all. Amen. I, I was just reading a quote yesterday from Robert Murray McShane, an old preacher been dead for, for a long time now. And he, he had this quote. He said, for every one look at self, we should take ten looks at Christ. And, Jake, I, I think we can all be a little like you. If, if we look at ourselves a lot— Man, we would probably all in some way be like, gosh, I'm still a mess. You know, I still sin. I still struggle. I still fumble. I still f- fall around. And, and, and we probably all have to just admit, I'm struggling in a lot of ways here. But, but 10 looks at Christ, really just one look at Christ, if we look at him mm-hmm. properly from a biblical perspective, and we're like, he is a sufficient Savior still. And if our trust is in him, then yes, we are a mess. Yes, we do sin. Yes, we do struggle. But he has finished that work that is needed to save us from our sins. And so, that, you know, that quote, and, and I can't remember who I first heard this, this thought of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. I think maybe that was an old Jerry Bridges quote. It's helped me a lot in my own Christian life because I can, I can be one who maybe, you know, begins to think too much about things, uh, become too introspective about my life. And I need that reminder of, look, it's not about me. Ultimately, yes, God's going to put that fruit in our lives, and we should be able to see it, but it's about Christ is the one who saves us. And that's when I have assurance, it's because I'm looking at Jesus and not because I'm just examining every little part of my life and I'm not doing everything right. I just need the mercy of Christ in my life. So, yeah, amen. Good good, good word, brother. So so you're growing up, you, you, you've been converted, uh, made a profession of faith through baptism, working mm-hmm. through some assurance in your life. What, what difference did it make in your life, Jake, growing up, being converted here at a young age, I mean, as you grew up, the rest of middle school, high school, of course, now you're in college. But what, what, what challenges did you face, and, and what difference did it make to be in a, a church setting where the Word of God was going to be preached and where you were going to be discipled? Obviously, your mom and dad are playing a big role in this as well. So t- tell me a little bit about just growing up as a believer, as a young man, trying to live for the Lord, and what impact it made to be here at Grace Life Church and receive the truths from God's Word as we do each week. Yeah, without a doubt, there's obviously everybody has challenges throughout high school and, sure. and different drama or whatever goes on in high school. And you look and back on it, it's just that, right? Yes. Drama. It's yes. really important at the time, but you look back and say it's just drama. In the time, I was definitely sweating. I definitely think that that was a steady, I guess, anchor. Like, I, obviously, we talked about anchor and truth here, and that's our missions branch. But like being anchored here, I was able to go through every week of high school. I mean, I would come here on Wednesday and get replugged re- in and. Right. Like Brother Jeff says, refill my cup because mm-hmm. I was leaking all the time throughout high school. So it was definitely a definitely a blessing to be here every week and be able to be anchored in my faith here too. Amen. Were there are, are there men? Obviously, you've talked about your dad. Mm-hmm. I know he played a, a big role. But were there men as a, as a young man, as a teenager, that God put in your life? I, you mentioned Jerry Pugh already there in that fifth grade boys class. Were there were there other classes, other men, other preachers maybe that that God used to to disciple you and to to help you grow in your walk with the Lord? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I. I had different small group teachers throughout my entire, obviously, um, time here. I've, almost every year has been different, at least since, or at least growing up until being in the college group. But I, I definitely know Eric Malone has been definitely, mm. a, he was always a great small group teacher and definitely an influence on my faith. And other guys, too, I'm thinking like Reese Shirey, um, Lenny Clockfelter, they were all always definitely pouring into me in my time here. Yeah. Or even yeah. like outside of, outside of small group teachers, like Sam Taylor, Brother Jeff's son-in-law, has always been a, always been pouring into my life. Like I would work for him sometimes and and do different odd jobs for him. Whatever he needed done, he couldn't really get to with his full time job. And 
different things just around his house or whatever it may be or or even brother jeff i did i've done stuff for brother jeff too and just being able to work for him and just pour into me just driving out to his farm different yeah. i mean not a, not giving me a sermon on the way out to his sure, farm but sure. just practical life lessons all the way out there and uh i did suffer i've done stuff for tyler ferris too and just being able to work for i guess sam and tyler and brother jeff all three of them have definitely poured into me a lot outside of small groups and outside of I guess organized church ministry, just, just hey, hey, can you come do this for me? Can you mow my grass, or mm-hmm. can you move this dirt pile for me? <laughs> Whatever it may be, or, all the fun stuff. Yes, right, all the fun stuff. Or <laughs> one time I we did brother Jeff's, the like the bank around his pond with a hedge Dude, trimmer. I've done that, man. What is it with brother Jeff and weed eating? Man, that and that was awful. I, yeah. I was weed eating stuff that I thought there's no way this weed eater is going to cut through this stuff. But he just said, ah, it'll cut it. Keep going." So yeah. I just ran it wide open, man. The worst was I used a hedge trimmer one time, but it actually kind of worked well because it was kind of thicker grass. So yeah. the hedge trimmer, it was like a hedge trimmer on the, on the pole, like a weed eater, but it worked really well. But I definitely enjoyed those times and being able to be poured in by those older guys and um, the wisdom that they have, obviously. That's Brother Jeff's discipleship camp, mm, I think, sure. right? Weed eating that hill. So, amen. Well, I'm glad to know somebody else has done it other than just me. That, you're in good company. Jake Statham has done that as well. All right, so you're in college now. You've grown up. And, um, Jake, I, I do want to spend a little bit of time here because uh, you, you had a particular incident that I know you've been through at UNA, and I want to talk a little bit about how God sustained you and mm-hmm. has preserved you through that and a little bit of – uh, how God and His truths, and, and hopefully we here at Grace Life Church, maybe we're an encouragement to you through that. So would you, would you mind kind of walking us through some of what you went through as a student at UNA? Mm-hmm. I, I, probably a lot of our people know about that because Brother Jeff mentioned it from the pulpit. But um, walk, walk us through a little bit of some of that trial that you had while a, a student at UNA. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely kind of like in, in high school, coming here every week and every Sunday, and Wednesday was it was an anchor for me in high school. It was also good for me to be able to do that during college too, because I know a lot of my friends I grew up with here that were the same as me. They were here every Sunday, Wednesday in high school. Some of those went off to other colleges and other places and didn't, didn't have a place like this to right. get plugged in and, and stay anchored into throughout college. So that was definitely a blessing um, and game changer for me, just being able to be plugged in here throughout college too mm-hmm. and high school, but throughout college as well. And I got involved with like the BCM at UNA too and, and a Christian fraternity, and those were really great avenues for me to be able to grow my faith too but but yeah I, my sophomore year the end of my sophomore year I ran for um, the student government association president and I ended up winning that and it was um, it was a great time I tried to share the gospel when I was doing that too I, I know in my like acceptance of like my or my I guess it'd be called acceptance where I where I where I announced that I won my announcement speech where I won on the candidacy, candidacy for SGA president, I, I no, I shared the gospel at the end. Mm-hmm. That was always unapologetic about it. Anybody who knew me on campus, they knew they knew how I was. And when I stood for that was never it was never something I hid in my back pocket um, or anything like that. But later on in that summer, after I was elected SGA president, put um, a post on my story that was out of context. Um, it was a post that said, "Born this way with a question mark with the rainbow flag," and said, "You must be born again," which were the words of Jesus red letters in the Bible, and that uh, caused people to go up in arms about that because people took that the wrong way. It was a little, it, the post was out of context, and they took it as a homophobic and that I shouldn't be able to represent students if I have that view. My, my Christian view denotes we, me from being able to be an SGA president and represent the student body. 
But people knew you were a believer. I mean, yeah. you, you'd been upfront about that already. Yes, I was. I was upfront of that when I was campaigning. Everybody knew that. I never apologized for it at all. People knew that, but I don't. I guess they didn't really realize what that necessarily meant, as far as my views towards homosexuality and what the Bible says towards homosexuality. So that was a challenging time because they wanted to. It was. It was crazy. I mean, they were, they were posting on Instagram, social media, whatever else. People just throwing hate at me. Um, and yeah, so all that was kind of a social media frenzy yes. that that kicked off, right? Yeah. No, there was nobody ever said anything negative towards me in person outside of the handful of SGA meetings we had. And those were really not that negative. All the negative stuff was on social media. Of course. People kind of hide behind their screens. But there was definitely an outburst of that, an outcry of, uh, we got to impeach this guy. The, um, some of the SGA members had gotten together and wrote a letter and I put their names on it that they wanted me to be impeached by this date. There were people calling the university. He sent emailing the university, oh, I'm going to take my kid out of UNA if you don't fix this. Da, 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 da. It was a wild time. And I mean, the university administration was scared too because they knew that I had religious rights, I mean, the Constitution. But they also didn't want this publicity, this bad publicity for the university. So it was a. It was a, definitely a weird time, and the university, administration, they couldn't tell me to step down, but they had they had advised me to step down from as SGA president. They thought that would be what was best, and at the time, I was like, I guess that's all I can really do. So I was about to, I, I was also doing an internship, that full time internship throughout this. So it was a it was a wild time for me, beyond measure. But I. I was in Huntsville. I, I was staying at UAH at the campus there. I remember I would just take laps around every day. After I was doing my internship, I'd be on the phone or just sitting there thinking. I would just walk around and walk around. This one guy who called me, he was SGA president before me, um, Sam, Samuel Mashburn. He had called me and said, hey, we got we to gotta fight this. Um, and I was like, okay. I didn't know that was an option. I thought the only reason <laughs> we could do it, I thought the only, way, well, I thought the only option was to step down. So the next day I get a call from— Now, was this guy a believer? Yes. You yes. think? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, he's a believer. All right. Um, he's a— Actually, a deacon at First Baptist Florence. Okay. But um, anyways, the next day I get a call from Dr. Stutz, who is a local uh, state senator for our mm-hmm. area. And then I start getting more calls from, from Dr. Or, uh, Mr. Jamie Keel from Russellville. He's a state legislator down there, kind of covering our area, too. So when you put that post, did you have any idea that you were going to be talking to state senators no. about SGA matters? <laughs> I had no idea. I just saw the post, and I was like, yeah, that's that's truth. And, sure. I, yeah. and it, probably it was not from a not from a, I guess, a caring these people need the gospel. It was more of like, hey, this is this is this. You need to be saved, but yeah. not from a not not in the right context. So yeah, I started getting calls from state senators, and it was wild. And I talked to Brother Jeff a lot about it too, um, and obviously my parents. And and then like the next Sunday, um, we're at church here. At church here, obviously, and Brother Jeff starts talking about it a little bit, and then ask if asked me to stand up and kind of talks about it a little bit. And then ask everybody if they would stand with me. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing everyone else stand up, and I was like, oh. <laughs> wow, this is amazing. Uh, and it was just, I was like, okay, I guess I can't lose this. So right. going from there, because, I mean, state legislators here in our area obviously would support me in that matter. And they're not going to support these people who are throwing hate against me on social media. And UNA being a public institution, it creates a, a big problem for them. Mm-hmm. So if the state legislators start getting involved, the university's got to do whatever the state legislators going to want to do, because that's where they get their money. So it ended up being a big ordeal, and later on in the semester, or when the semester started in August, they had the, we had the first meeting, and they introduced articles to impeach me. Um, they had people come up and talk. Uh, there were people for me and people against me. And then two weeks later, they had to 
they had to present it, and then two weeks later they voted on it. And the vote, thankfully, it didn't get two thirds. Had to get two thirds. It got fifty. It got the simple majority, but it had to get two thirds on a matter like that. So luckily, it didn't get that. And I still caught flack and hate for it throughout the throughout the year, and really kind of still do now, to be honest. But eventually made it out, and the Lord sustained me. And I remember kind of when the state legislators got involved. I remember talking to Brother Jeff about it, and he was like, well, maybe this is just kind of like Joseph being thrown in, thrown into jail, and then God using Pharaoh to lift him out of that. Mm-hmm. So that was really kind of stood out to me. And Esther, I, I, I read Esther, I don't know how many times that summer. <laughs> um, and John MacArthur's got a great summer on it, too, that I would listen to, too. But it was great. Just That was my motto, if I die, I die. Yeah. yeah I mean, if this is, if it, if this is what it comes to, I, I'm, I'll die. Right. I'm not going to back down on what I believe and— I never apologized for what I believed. You're done with SGA now, though, yes. right? Sean, yeah, my term ended up last April. Okay. So I went April to April. Uh, made it through, no problems. It, it, did you ever have, you know, did the Lord provide any any fruitful conversations with some of the people that were against you, or was it pretty much, you know, hey, I'm against you and I'm not going to entertain anything that you have to say? Did it, or, or did the Lord maybe allow you to, you know, some other opportunities to share and to put some truth out there for those folks? Yeah, definitely. I would, um, some of the senators, they would, I would talk to them. I didn't really talk to many of the students just because, I, I mean, everybody was going to talk to me at that <laughs> point. Like, what are you, what's, what's going on? You pick and choose. Yeah, so I was, talking to, state, I was talking to state legislators and I was talking to like my SGA members. I mean, some of those I know that I would have kind of a conversation with and, None of really got anywhere just because I think they were so far against me. Right. And had so much hate in their heart built up against me. But I did. I, I did remember trying to talk to a couple of them. Like they, they'd be like, "Yeah, I grew up in church too, so I kind of understand." But this is what I believe now, and I was be like, "Well, if you still think you're a Christian, then that's not what the Bible says." So I kind of had some of those conversations, but I didn't really want to argue with them at that time because mm-hmm. I didn't think that'd be very fruitful. But yeah, I wish that. I do know that that. Maybe not for me, but I do know that that led conversations around campus about different things, um, about what people believe and what they stand for. Because, um, I mean, anybody else who was a Christian on campus, especially people who are in SGA, they were also getting persecuted, too. They were catching flack for me. If they if they supported me, then they were catching flack, too. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a really tough time. And some people had to really kind of figure out what they believed. If, if they were going to, like the SGA members, if they maybe had gone, gone to church and say they were Christian but weren't really sure, I mean, they had to figure out pretty fast, like, Am I gonna stand with this guy and get persecuted, or am I just gonna go go with the crowd and mm-hmm. and try to and just kind of blend in with the crowd? Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so let me ask you this question, and there may be you make it answer this in a hundred different ways. I don't know, but you know, through all of that, what are maybe just a few things that you feel like God taught you as you went through all of this firestorm of of, of it, starting with just a a simple social media. Post to then talking to state senators and administration and the campus and all the friends that went with that. What are some things the Lord taught you on the other side of that that you're thankful for now? You know, I think of the book of James and it says we can consider it all joy when we experience trials of various kinds. Now, sometimes I think maybe that joy comes on the back side of the trial. You know, it can be a little tough when we're in the midst of it. But uh, one of the things I think we can consider joy is that the Lord teaches us and He grows us in these times. So what are some ways that maybe the Lord grew you or some things He taught you going through this very difficult trial that you went through? Yeah, definitely. I know definitely for sure my trust in the Lord grew immensely. Hmm. Um, a big Amen. verse for me was Daniel one twenty. It says, kind of paraphrasing, but God changes the times and seasons and He removes kings and sets up kings. So, I mean, it, 
looking back, when I campaigned for SGA president, it, I did a lot of campaigning. I was everywhere trying to ask people to vote for me and to kind of get my name out there. I had yard signs, and, and I had a lot of people vote, vote for me. But it wasn't necessarily the students who voted for me. They got me elected. It was the Lord and his providence. And if, if he wanted to let me get elected and then, put, and then get me impeached, that's fine. He can do that. That's in, Lord, can, Lord does whatever he pleases. We see in Psalms. And yeah. So I knew that that was I put a lot of my trust in. If God wants to put, put me in this position, if he wants to take it away, take it away. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, definitely grew a lot through that and kind of grown in my trust in him. And, too, kind of with the Esther, if, if I die, I die. I mean, it kind of it kind of removed a lot of like any anything I had in the world. Like if I wanted to go do this or whatever, like if I had any plans for my life, I don't like it. Kind of took those away, I guess. Like at that time, I was in I had an internship with UAB. It was like a pre medical internship, and so like, I had plans. That was when I really kind of decided to go go into medicine and hopefully be a doctor. So, but at that plan, if God could take it away, and I, if I die, I die. I don't. I don't. I may not become a doctor. Any of my plans in my life for this world or anything I wanted to do in this world, God kind of like took that away for a second and said, mm-hmm. you ain't got to have that. You don't have to go to medical school. You don't have to raise a family. You don't have to do this or that or climb out. I mean, I'm not going to climb out Everest, but you don't have to go do all the things you, you kind of have set and goals in your life. Mm-hmm. Which Having goals and stuff in your life is fine and good, but if you put those above serving the Lord and glorifying the Lord, he can take those away for you yeah. real, really quick and yeah, I guess definitely just kind of put my trust in the Lord and definitely took a lot of my things I want to do in this world and put it into uh, longing for heaven and increase my longing for heaven. Because at mm. that time, I was ready to go. <laughs> I was, Lord, if, just get me yes, out of this. Right? Even if it means heaven, exactly. get me out of this. Come home. Come home now. Uh, I definitely remember that a lot. Uh, it was definitely a traumatic time. I know some things I try not to think about a lot. <laughs> you just block those out, yes. right? Just block them out of your mind. But there's definitely, there's not a day that, I told somebody this other day, there's not a day that has gone by since all that's happened that I don't think about it, especially being at UNA's campus, still walking around and seeing the same people. Right. And where all this, where everything happened, yeah. I'm still reminded of it every day. I think that's good, too, just to be reminded of what, how the Lord sustained me and how the Lord's mm-hmm. kept me throughout my life and to that time, too, for sure. Yeah, I know those times, especially in the Old Testament, we read a lot of, you know, particularly with the, the Israelites, there there would be victories they would have or, or there would be providential workings of God that, mm. that they would want to remember. And many times you see them, they would either make an altar or they would get memorial stones and, and, and they would put them there because they, they didn't want to forget those times. Now, mm. it... it it was probably many times some difficult times in which God preserved them, or maybe there were times where God gave them victories. But I, I do think that's something for us to consider even in today's world as believers. We're not Israelites, of course, but we are God's church. And, uh, you know, God has those times in our lives where, man, they were hard, they were difficult. Like I said, you kind of want to kind of want to just you know block that mm-hmm. portion. But at the same time, they're good memorial stones to look back on and say, you know what, that was hard, that was difficult, but God did preserve me. And they speak to us of the faithfulness of God. Um, now, I, I, I never sniffed at SGA president or anything <laughs> like that like, like you've done, but I, I know there have been times in my life where the Lord has worked, and, and I remember those times. And they, in some ways, they help propel me forward because they, they cause me to remember what God has done um, in my life and how he has worked and how gracious he's been and how merciful he's been. And so you know, I, I imagine, Jake, probably you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, even though it'll be a, something of a distant memory, there'll still be 
hopefully something, a memorial stone in your mind and in your heart of, you know what, I've been through that. I've been through some hard times, and God preserved me. I'm still here. He's still my Lord. And it'll propel you on to continue to stand for Him, right? Yes, without a doubt. And I think that is definitely, as God has prepared me in my undergraduate to go into medical school or whatever else and, and use that in my life to where if something happens again, I don't, have to, I don't have to worry as much as I did the first time because right. I have this trust in the Lord. If He sustained me then, He'll sustain me again, or He'll take me on to heaven. Yeah. So yeah. it definitely is a renewal factor, I guess, in my life and sanctification. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So so moving forward, medical school is what you're thinking? Yes. And, all right, good. So so will that mean a move to Birmingham, or will you be able to stay here and go back and yes. forth? What's that going to look like? Um, actually, I, the program I'm doing with UAB, it's with the same program I interned with. But it's with their like rural medical um, office, so I'll I'll do a year at Auburn, uh, just taking more pre med classes, and then uh, next fall I'll start at UAB as a medical student there, and have my okay. first two years there as any other medical student does, and then my second two years will be in Huntsville, and then three years of residency wherever okay. after two. All right, good. What are, what are some things as as it seems like it's the Lord's will for you to to maybe move away from the shelves and from Grace Life? What, Maybe he'll move you back here at some point. We always hope that. Uh, but what, what are some things that you'll take from Grace Life Church you think will make a big impact on your life moving forward? Definitely being able to find like a church like this next year in Auburn or wherever else and knowing what to look for in, the, in a church and, 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 and the doctrines that they believe and stuff like that, obviously, um, and the community that we have here, being able to look for something similar to that. Because mm-hmm. um, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. Yeah, so um, that's definitely, I guess, probably the biggest thing. Well, let, let me, let's, let's go all the way back as we think about your Grace Life story. Growing mm-hmm. up here, fifth grade, Jerry Pugh class, Donnie Singleton preaching, trials as a college student, and now kind of moving forward. It, in, in what ways has God used the preaching of His Word? Let's kind of focus in on that. Uh, because you also mentioned even in the midst of the trial, you had there's a John MacArthur sermon you're listening to, you're reading Esther, and so that you know word centered here. In what ways has the Word of God, the consistent preaching of the Word of God, equipped you from the time you were a kid to the time God saved you, and then equipped you, and then preserved you in trial? What, what role has the Word of God played in your life for all of that, Jake? Well, obviously, I mean this is kind of a toss up softball question, but like or answer, I guess, but. I never would have been saved without it. Like mm. growing up, I mean, it was, I mean, obviously I was being fed at home by my parents too with the word and different things around that or, or just, you know, kind of as you go, different things at home. But without the, the steady preaching of the word every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday growing up, I never would have had that tug on my heart and that burden on right. my back. I never would have been saved. And, and then after I was saved, I never would have been able to find more assurance mm. if I wouldn't have had the same preaching of the Word and tugging on my heart and burden on my back, I never would have, I never would have had that without the preaching of the Word. So yeah. I obviously would have never been saved um, and wouldn't have as much growth and sanctification as I do now. Not that I have a lot because I mm-hmm. definitely have a far way to go, <laughs> but that's definitely obviously the, the easiest thing I can point out, I guess. Yeah, amen. Good. All right, we'll wrap it up then. Jake, I want to say thank you for coming in and sharing your Grace Life story. and walking us through a little bit, not only of your conversion uh, story and testimony, but also God preserving you during your time of of trial as a student at UNA. And we look forward to how he's going to continue to use you in the future. And uh, we'll be praying as God moves you away from here, and maybe even praying that God will move you back here uh, at some point as well. So thank you for being with us today. This will wrap up another episode of My Grace Life Story.
We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story. As members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.